This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 170. And on our first flip, we basically made as much as I made all year at my job. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up? Hey, not much. What's up with you? You know, excited about today's show. Phenomenal, phenomenal show. Phenomenal. Excited about something else that we learned about today, which I think is a great honor for Bigger Pockets. We were named an honoree by the 20th Annual Webby Awards for the business website category, which is pretty cool. For those people who don't know what the Webbies are, it's literally like the Oscars for the internet. And we're listed with Bloomberg, Dow Jones, Harvard Business Review, Wired, Forbes, CNN Money, Bigger Pockets. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, Wow. Yeah, that's a big honor. <laughs> so, congratulations uh, on being an honor. Congratulations to Bigger Pockets. That's uh, that's pretty sweet. Fancy, fancy. Yeah, next year we want to be top five so we can attend the show and and get in. So, if you're on the Webby committee or whatever it takes <laughs> to get us in there, help us out, guys. Come on. Yeah, I don't even know how that that's all done, but whatever. Uh, I don't know. We just paid a couple hundred dollars. I, I don't you know, even we know should, what we did. We should have like an award show for like real estate investors, you know? Like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. That'd be idea. fun. Yeah. Biggest douchebag, Brandon Turner. Congratulations. <laughs> You've won for the fifth year in a row. I want to win amazing. for like tallest. I want to win for tallest. That's all I want. Yeah. You know, yep. if I can get voted tallest, it'd be great. Yeah. The uh, Oh, look, there's a squirrel award. The award. I, Brandon could, Turner. I could also do that award. You know, I could win a lot of awards with this thing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. we'll do it someday. The All biggest right. Biggest big mouth award, Josh Dorkin. Nice there you go. Out. You can do that. Nicely. Yeah, yeah. Great idea. Great I wasn't idea. going to talk cool. about your shortest. You know, we won't wow. go there. We won't That's go there. Great, All right. That's great. Quick. Let's go to the quick, quick tip. Yeah. All right, today's, All right, what's today's quick tip, Brandon? Today's quick tip is a new feature on Bigger Pockets, actually. Oh. And it actually technically only, well, Technically, only goes for pro members, but I think free members can use it a little bit. And that is, uh, you know how we have the calculators, Josh? You should right? probably know that, by the way. Well, it, it's a little bit complicated. I'll explain why. So we have the calculators on BP. Anybody can use them up to five times for free, and you have to be a pro member to use them unlimited. Well, now you can actually share a calculator report. Like when you when you do an analysis, for example, my assistant, uh, she'll do an analysis on a property. Then she can share that with any colleague on BP. So she'll share it with me. Now that calculator report is now in my calculators. Now I can go in and make changes and edit a little bit as well. I can even send it back to her so she can see what I did. Uh, just kind of a cool little feature. So I think in your first five times, free members can do that as well. Pro members can do it all they want. So pretty cool. How do they do that? Oh, on page four of the calculator. So if you're analyzing a deal on page four at the bottom right-hand corner, it says uh, share with a colleague or something like that. So check it out. Biggerpockets.com slash calc. Yeah. It's really awesome. helpful. Yeah, it's just helpful for you. Like you want a second set of eyes on your numbers and say, hey, you know, here's a, a mentor that I look up to, somebody that I like on the site that we've been friends for a while. I'm going to ask them if they can help me out and I check out my numbers. It's a good way to do that. Perfect. So, cool. Sounds good. All right. Great idea. Great idea. Great idea. Nicely done getting that made, Brandon. Thank you. I really made it because I needed it. <laughs> I know. I know. There you go. <laughs> my sister's analyzing all these deals and I'm like, she's sending me PDF reports, but I want to edit them. So that's now we made it. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Cool. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. 
Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Let's get into today's show. Today's guest is Andrew Cushman. Andrew is a real estate investor in the Southern California area. He invests all over the country. The guy has done dozens of flips. He's got thousands, uh, 1,400, something like that. 1,400 units. units. And he's done this in less than a decade. I mean, the guy's absolutely killing it. This is probably uh, one of the higher level shows that we'll do. We, we dig into stuff like real estate syndication, buying large apartment properties, you know, 90, 100 unit plus, how to finance them, how to, how to manage it, not really the management, but, but how to kind of do turnover, how to take these properties and build a portfolio, how to and build find a them, team, how to how find to, them, how to fund them, syndication, yeah. all that stuff. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. a great show. Um, absolutely a must listen for folks who've been in the game for a while. Absolutely a must listen for the newbies who are like, whoa, well, you know, how far can I take this? Well, you, you could take it pretty far. So check it out, listen up, and let's bring him in. Andrew, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Awesome to be here. So we're going to talk about uh, apartments today, a lot about that. But before we get into that, let's get into your story. Where'd you come from? How'd you get into this real estate game? I used to be a chemical engineer, but that was, I always knew that was a placeholder. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I, didn't know what that was going to be. So like, well, I might as well get a good job until then. And then I was an engineer for about seven and a half years. And uh, in that time, got married. And my wife and I kept trying all these 
silly little businesses. We tried vending. We tried making popcorn in our kitchen. We destroyed the house. Made some good tasting popcorn. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and, and all these, and she did stuff on WordPress and, you know, sold t-shirts and all that. And, you know, every time we made a little bit of money, we're like, this is just going to be a full-time job. It's not going to be something that's going to bring financial freedom. And so after, I don't know how many years, and I think it was in 2006, we discovered a person that was teaching how to buy pre-foreclosures. Uh, so people, you know, buy the house from the person be- right before they lose it, as opposed to get it at the auction. And so we got that course and learned it. And then we hired a coach and made that happen. And on our first flip, we basically made as much as I made all year at my job. Nice. So I'm like, woohoo, that's it. I'm done. I quit. I'm out of here. We did that full time for, oh, I guess about four and a half years and had a really good year in 2009, 2010. And then said, well, okay, this has been great, but what's the next big thing? What's about to start a huge cycle? And we said, well, we think that's apartments. And so we kind of re- did the same thing, went out and, and um, I actually talked to my mentor for single flipping and said, hey, do you know anybody who's doing apartments? He's like, actually, I know a guy who's got about 800 units. Contacted him, said, will you be my mentor? He's like, yeah, I was just start, just about to start a mentoring program. And uh, he helped us through the first deal. And once we bought our first apartment, which was 92 units on the other side of the country, um, you know, we got along so well that I said, Hey, would you like to be business partners? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we've been doing apartments 15, five years now and we've done 1,470 units. Wow. 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 So I, I want to go back and unpack that a little bit. Cause I mean, the first thing I want to ask is a lot of people, when they get into real estate, they get pitched by these, you know, real estate educators, gurus, whatever. And, you know, we rag on them a lot here on the podcast cause there's a Justify lot of bad guys. Yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of bad ones out there. So what set you apart differently? I mean, you paid for a course, you, you learned from an educator, uh, and it worked for you. So why did that work for you and so many other people it doesn't seem to work for? Um, I think part of it is, is we really vetted the person teaching the course before we took it. Um, it wasn't one of the $30,000 ones, but it wasn't one of the $200 ones either. It was kind mm-hmm. of in the middle. And so we read everything on the site. We talked to people who had gone there. And just reading through the information that was being put out, our gut said, this is legitimate. And, if, and, our, and our gut said, okay, if we commit to doing this, it should work. We couldn't find a reason that it wouldn't work. Uh, so that was why. And then again, some of the people and the coaches that we talked to were real. They were actually doing deals. They weren't just gurus who that's all they do is teach. Their main job was doing deals and they were coaching on the side. So I said, okay, that sounds like the kind of people we want to be involved with. Yeah. Right on. No, that's great. All right. So, you know, this is, this is a fascinating story. I mean, you did four and a half years of flips. How many flips did you do in that period? We were high margin, low volume. So we did 24. Uh, that's a lot of people wouldn't call that low volume. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I think that's more flips than I've done in my whole life. So that that's good. Yeah, that's that's pretty significant. So how did you scale from zero to twenty four flips over a five year period? How'd you, how'd you kind of build that out? Were you doing? I'm assuming you you were doing multiple flips at the same time. To talk to us about kind of the transition from you know first flip to infrastructure to build up and be able to do something like that. Yes. So the the first flip, which was a really interesting story on how we obtained it. But so the, the, the first flip, once once we got it, you know, my wife and I, we went to Home Depot, we picked out all the fixtures, you know, the rehab. I mean, it was this huge time consuming thing. And we were, frankly, in retrospect, way too involved. And because of that, we didn't get another deal for six months down the road. Um, so then what we did is we hired, we, we finally got to the point where, okay, 
our highest and best use of time is finding new deals, talking to homeowners, following up on leads. We've got to get out of this. So we hired a general contractor and over the course of a couple of the next couple of deals, trained him on exactly what we wanted, what kind of lights, what kind of colors, what kind of finish, so that he could just, we could walk him through it, he'd give us the bid, we'd negotiate a little bit, and then he'd just run with it and be done. And then, you know, we, we continued to scale from there, just uh, brought in a stager, and instead of us making those decisions, say, look, we trust you, you've done a, you did a great job on the first two, you handle this. And just and same thing with a realtor. We we had a we've got an excellent local realtor. Said, all right, you're gonna you're actually gonna do some of the design decisions. You're gonna guide the contractor when he has questions of, well, do I do this color or that color? You know, whatever. We outsourced that to him. Again, we trusted him. We paid him well. He handled it so that we could focus our time on the on the most important thing, which is keeping the pipeline full of of deals coming in. Yeah. So I, I've, I've got a few questions on this one. Let's start with uh, the, the first slip. You said it was really interesting how you found it. Let's let's hear that story. All right. So I went into buying houses pre foreclosure is is a cold calling business, right? Cold calling and knocking on doors. Real quick, can you explain what that means pre foreclosure? Sure. So someone gets three months behind on their on their mortgage, and the banks the bank files a notice and says, "Okay, we're going to foreclose on your home in." 90 days plus 30 in California, so in 120 days. So that means the bank has started the foreclosure process, but the house hasn't been taken back yet. So we call it pre-foreclosure. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So, you know, I was an engineer. I was, I was actually horrible on the phone. My, you know, be- before my wife became my wife, she used to make lists of things to talk about on the phone to keep the conversation going. I mean, that's how bad I was. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm oh, with you. At, yeah, yeah, with me. Yeah, I'm lucky. Oh, I that's all, you've come a long way. You're not bad on <laughs> on the podcast here. I mean, we've had we've had a lot worse. So you know, yeah. kudos to your wife for training you well. I give her all the credit. She trained me. Um, so yeah. So then I go into a business that's dependent on cold calling, right? So the less, uh, so the sub lesson there is you can learn anything, right? Uh, so I had made four thousand five hundred and seventy five phone calls and had not got a deal. Was that a real number? That's the real number. I tracked. Shut up. No, I do metrics. Yeah, I'm all into the. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. How many calls did you make before four? you got? Yeah, let's hear it. My first deal was a result of call number four thousand five hundred and seventy-six. That's amazing. Four thousand five hundred and seventy-six phone calls. And mind you, most of those people did not want to talk to me. You're calling as a stranger, saying, "Tell me about your financial problems." Yep. I mean, you know, that's not a fun call. I, I gotta, I gotta dig back into that because a, the fact that you had the stamina to make four thousand five hundred and seventy six phone calls says either you totally believe in yourself or you're the biggest moron on the planet. One or the other. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say it's the first. Um, so you did. I mean, like forty five hundred. How many calls were you making a day? That's crazy. Um. I did calls during lunch and immediately after work. So my goal would be to make a couple hundred calls a day if I could. You know, sometimes you get someone on the phone and talk for 45 minutes, so it'd be a lower number. But I worked seven days a week, many, many hours to make it happen because I had a full-time job at that time too. So Wow. Wow. That's That's crazy. That's persistence. So why did it take so long? I mean, why did did it take 4,000 some? Were you just doing it wrong? Number one, um, I wasn't good on the phone. I was learning it as as I went. And I had a coach. And, well, I had two coaches. I had my wife who would be sitting there next nice. to me going, okay, on the next call, honey. <laughs> um, you know, and then I had a hired coach that would, that would help too. 
Uh, so that that's how I and then you know I would after I got done with each call I would say okay what went well what didn't go well how can I fix it and just reiterate it over and over again. That's, um, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So and, and and to get to what Josh what you said earlier I really I believed in myself and I believed in the system I really yeah. believed that I wasn't just doing something that made no sense to do I I'm like no this system will work so I'm going to make it work until I get a deal after I get a deal if I don't like it. Then I can quit, but not until then. Yeah. Okay. So, like okay. That. So, so that's that's insane. Um, you know. <laughs> regardless, congratulations on your success. That's amazing. By the way, I just want to. How how many actual real estate deals have you now done in your career thus far? How many units or deals? Whichever metric you want to use. Um, I have flipped twenty four single family properties and purchased fourteen hundred and seventy apartments. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Okay, so for everyone listening, that's twenty four uh, flips. And fourteen hundred seventy apartments, and had he stopped on phone call four thousand five hundred and seventy five, <laughs> probably be at one, zero. That would be zero. So just pay attention. That's that's key. All right, uh, you, let me let me jump ahead a little bit. That's crazy. That's amazing, and and good for you for doing it. I know I would not have made it that far. You said you. Uh, Hired the GC, trained them. The stager trained them. The realtor trained them. And then you talked about how well you paid them. And uh, how are you paying the realtor outside of commission on sales? Were you were you paying some kind of consulting fee as well, or or was it just giving them a good uh, commission? Um, no, it was just giving them the full full six percent and not trying to you know squeeze money out of him and say oh let's do it for four or something like that. And, and that works for some people, and that's right. fine. Um, I just say, you know, if I expect someone to perform really well for me, then I should pay them really well. Yeah. Cool, cool, awesome. All right, uh, next next question, really quick, is where where are you now? Where are you located, and where were all these deals? I live in Southern California, and uh, all of our apartments are in Texas, Georgia, and Florida. And what about the flips? Were they also in California then? Yeah, the flips were local. Those were mostly Orange County and a few LA County. Okay, and when was this that you started the, this whole? Th- the whole thing. What what year was that? We bought our first flip in early two thousand and seven. Uh, the second one was the month before the financial crisis. Okay, and we flipped right through the downturn and into the bottom, and did well on every one. That's awesome. So you never lost money on a flip yet. Never lost money on a flip. Yep, just gotta so, buy it right. So okay, I was gonna say, what what's your advice for people today that are worried about losing money? Because I've said that before, and I probably made people nervous by saying that a lot of people lose money on their first flip. It's very common. What made you different? I made sure I had the numbers right, and I made sure I didn't overpay just to get a deal. Yeah, uh, and, and that, that was the key. So you know, I made sure that when when the market was dropping like a rock, I would buy at fifty cents on the dollar, planning to sell at eighty cents on the dollar, so that when I listed it, I would still be below everyone else and get offers right away. And and we we made big profits as things were crashing, and it, it worked it worked great. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I, I, I want to ask just one more question on the, on the flipping stuff, and then I really want to dig in a lot more on the. Uh, I know Brandon's got a bunch of questions too, but uh, before we dig in on the multis, so you scaled the business by creating a system, right? And the system was, I'm going to get my hands out of this thing. I'm not going to pick out all the appliances. I'm not going to pick out the tile. I'm not going to do all this. I'm going to find somebody qualified, hand the reins over to them, have them pick it out. Obviously, I'm assuming you're paying them to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, that was your GC, right? Yes. Um, how did you come about to trust that person? Because I, I, I think 
I could speak for everybody listening and say, that sounds awesome. I think everybody would love to do that. But getting to that point where you find the GC and the stager and the realtor who you trust, who you can count on, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we all face is getting there. So how did you actually get to that point and, and find those folks? We got a short list by getting referrals. And I mean, that's not a guarantee that the guy's going to work out great, but it, it definitely helps if you know other, if you can talk to other people who've had good experience with them. And um, once we got that short list, it was trial and error. You know, we, we had one GC that we used for a couple of houses and he was okay, but we found he kept trying to upcharge us on stuff as he got more comfortable. And we said, that's not going to happen. Okay. Um, and then the guy that we ended up with, it was the same thing. After a few houses, he was doing the work right. He never tried to come back and gouge us for more money. He made good decisions without us having to hold his hand. And it was just kind of a, you know, it's, it's like a dating experience, right? We went on a few dates with the contractor. Do this house. Okay, now do this hey house. Hey, well, That's yeah. going to be our new website. <laughs> pockets, contractor dating. Contractor speed dating, yeah. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, and it's just over experience. We, we grew to trust and understand each other more. And now I just give him a phone call, go walk the house, and it's more or less done. But, I mean, that took time. It's not an instant thing. You do have to invest in it. Yeah. Cool. And you, you had talked about you wanted to transition to the point where your job was to get the deal. So what exactly did you do in those deals? Once you had found all those folks, what was your job? My job was cold calling, door knocking, getting face to face with the owner of the house, negotiating the deal, getting under contract and closing on it. And then okay. once once we closed on it, that's where I, I became a lot more hands off. Cool. Got it. Now, were you still doing pre foreclosure for all these 24 or did you use other methods? The vast majority of them were pre foreclosure. I think we did a total of five uh, off of direct mail and uh, we actually bought some REOs towards the end. Okay. Cool. And, and, and re really quick, Brandon, sorry, because I don't think we asked this. I'm not sure you're going there. Where does somebody go and find pre-foreclosures? I, I, I know they're question. in the, the papers and things like that, right? Yeah, that's one source. There's a website. Um, we were getting them from a website called foreclosures.com. I don't think they actually do it anymore, but I know Property Radar is uh, propertyradar.com. Most of the guys I know that are in the foreclosure world use Property Radar to get those leads. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Property Radar is only California, California. I think, right? And now like they're branching into like a few other Western states. Is that actually, yeah, you're right. They're regional. So I'm not, I actually, I don't know where you'd get the best source of leads somewhere else. Yeah. I think you can also get them from RealtyTrack and foreclosure.com as, yeah. as well. I believe they sell them. But uh, there are free sources where pre-NODs and things like that are mm -hmm. notices of default are, are posted publicly before anything. So uh, you can find that. And we've got lots of articles on, on how to find pre-foreclosures on, on BiggerPockets for anybody listening. And uh, we'll link to a few in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 170. There you go. All right. My last question before getting into the multifamily is, what was your best flip you ever did? I'm just curious, like profit-wise, uh, what was the best flip you ever did? Sure. So we bought a, a weird house, which is um, we try not to do. Yeah, it, that's it, what it, I always tell people, don't buy weird houses. <laughs> don't buy weird <laughs> why, houses. Why not, guys? Why, why, won't people, why don't people want to do that? Um, number one, it takes more time because you have all kinds of decisions to make. Well, what do I do with this funky wall or bedroom? You know, we had a master bedroom that led into the garage. I mean, like, who, who does that, right? Yeah. So, and then, but when you're going to either rent it or, or in my case, sell it, it's going to appeal to a narrower subset of buyers because it's yeah. a weird house. I right? would say you weird, want, weird houses attract weird people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, but so ironically, it was a weird house, and we bought it. We bought it really well, and what during the the three or four months that we hold, held it was the time they came out with. That's when they came out with that whole. The government came out with that ten thousand dollar tax credit if you buy a house. Yeah. So all of a sudden, values jacked up. And then on top of that, we sold it to a veteran who actually is a police officer who was able to get a 100% VA loan. So he came in at top price. So we ended up netting 155000 on that house. Wow. Uh-huh. So what, uh, what was the well payment done. price? I don't remember the prices. I remember we sold it for five forty, and we put about I think we put fifty two into the rehab, but I don't remember the exact purchase price. It might have been two seventy three actually, but I don't. That was <laughs> that was years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I mean, like one hundred fifty thousand. That's an that's an amazing for a flip. And uh, yeah, yeah, congratulations yeah, on that. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Josh I'm makes really that while he's sleeping. And it's, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, I I bought this course the other day, and it taught me how to do it. <laughs> With my eyes closed, I literally can just like tap there around the keys with my keyboard, and suddenly I'm gonna yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. Congratulations! Actually, that's very impressive. Well, thank yeah. you. I yeah. liked it. I All think right. that might be our best flip profit that we've heard from somebody on the podcast might so be. far. It might be. All oh, cool. right, Andrew. So, so now <laughs> you're <laughs> the big fat winner of nothing. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It's okay. So you have this massive. You've you've done really well flipping. Why? Did you transition to multifamily? If you were having such success with one thing, why change it up? Ah, good question. Um, it gets back to to what I say is determining your why. So the the reason that we we want to have our own business was we want uh, passive income uh, or or horizontal income, and flipping is great, but you make a chunk of money and you're done. I mean, you got to go find another deal, right? So with the apartments, you buy 92 units or 100 units or four units or eight units and you fix it up and you rent it. Now you've got a check coming in every month, almost whether you work or not. And that was what we really wanted to be doing. Personally, that was our personal why and our personal driver. And then the second thing was what I alluded to before is we just felt like the market was shifting to a point where apartments were going to do really well for the you know foreseeable future, and that turned out to be a fortunate call. So yeah, okay. So how did let, you you mentioned earlier you found like a mentor who was doing it at 800 units? He kind of helped train you up in that. So let's talk about your first deal that you did. Then uh, what was that like? That was the that my first apartment deal was the first apartment deal that no one should do. It was uh, 20, 2,300 miles away. It Ooh. was a nineteen sixties property. It was seventy five percent vacant. And needed a very, very thorough rehab. And uh, so we, we bought that. At the time, it was collecting $8,000 a month. It was one of those owners who just let the tenants, you know, oh, here's 20 bucks cash. Oh, okay, fine. Well, you know, we'll let you stay for a little bit longer. And so so that was that was the first deal. And I can say I still own it today. And uh, let's see, March collected 37000 So it's more than oh, wow. four, to- you know, four and a half times what we bought it. And, you know, we bought it for six hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars, which is, you know, seventy six. Wait, uh, hold on. Six. I'm, I'm trying to keep up with the numbers. You said you're collecting eight thousand a month. It was collecting it. eight thousand when you bought it. And now it's thirty seven thousand. Yes, we collected thirty seven thousand this last month. And you pay, paid six hundred ninety nine for it. Six hundred ninety nine thousand. Correct. All right. OK, not a bad deal. Would you end yeah. up, would you end up putting put it into it? In? Yeah. We put we put we put another seven hundred into it. Wow. Yeah, and then right now it's actually listed for one point nine five. So 
you know, it's not a home run by the time you factor everything in, but it is still a solid deal. And but what I you know, and that's part of why I would not recommend someone do a heavy distress deal as their first deal, because not only are you learning apartments, you're learning major rehabs, you're learning you know deep properties. You've got there's just a lot going on. There's a lot more risk. So yeah. Okay. Got it. So you so you paid six ninety nine. You paid seven hundred. You put seven hundred. You listed for one point nine five. Seven. You know, for those people who don't have a clue uh, on this, and and how many units was it? I don't think you said that. Ninety two units. Ninety two units. Holy cow! Where was this in Texas? It's actually this one was in Macon, Georgia. Wow. Okay. So. How did you go about rehabbing 92 units? I'm assuming you didn't do it all at once. I'm assuming you started with the vacant ones, but can you walk us through that process? And, you know, obviously you had the experience flipping houses, so that helps. You know, being able to do the work here, but w- what's the difference between fixing up these distressed units in a multi and fixing up a house? I, I, I don't think we've ever actually really talked about that. Sure. I mean, there's a number of differences. One with a house, it's, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's really simple. You've got one house, you just, you know, you decide what you're going to do and you do it and then either you rent it or you sell it and you're done. Well, with a multifamily, you can't go in and spend $30,000 a unit, you know, unless you, I mean, well, I guess I take that back. You can, but that's a whole nother world. And it's not something that most of us in the B and C realm are going to do. But you've got, so not only do you have the, your budget, you have to determine and stick to but you've got you've got well okay well i've got vacant units but what about the occupied units so you've got to balance getting units done and releasing them with collecting income from the existing residents and not driving them out uh and then it's also it's, it's just a giant moving piece so for example you know when i when i buy something that's 92 or 150 units we generally have an 18 month schedule of how we're going to do those units as opposed to a single family who I just send the contractor in there and say, go do it. Let me know how it goes with a, an apartment complex. We have a schedule, a spreadsheet, you know, constant check-ins, monthly reports on where we are with the budget versus what we projected. It's just a, a lot more moving pieces to it. Now, what, what kind of contractor do you hire to do this kind of stuff? You know, it's not like your typical local handyman's going to be coming in there. No. Right? Like what, what kind of contractor is this? Um, you know, in the beginning, I actually functioned as GC myself. Okay. And so I was taking bids and court- I was flying out there a lot. Um, that is a lot of brain damage and, <laughs> and a lot of time. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. So now, now I have, again, and this is something over time you develop through referrals. Now I have trusted GCs that I say, okay, here's my, you know, I'll let them bid the project first. Give me their number. And then I say, okay, here's my budget. Get it. If you can get all of this done for my budget, you have the job. And that has worked out extremely well because, again, at this point, five years down the road, I have contractors that I can trust that do good work and that handle all that garbage. And then just I, you know, I have I have regular calls with them. They send me spreadsheets, reports, updates, and you know, make sure they're staying on track. Cool. Hey, Andrew. So, yeah, I did the dirty math. It's about seventy five hundred bucks per unit on this particular property how bad i mean were some far worse than others and and then my next question is you talked about the 18 month schedule like we had talked about a minute before you know yeah obviously you're going to get the vacant units first and and fill those but how then do you handle the units that are occupied um, i wonder if you could dig in on both of those sure for handling the the units that are occupied we tell the residents okay when your lease renews this is what's going to happen and 
we'll, we'll tell them we can either, you know, move you to a new unit or we'll just go ahead and up and renovate their unit when they're in it. Regardless, they're going to pay the increased rent. And believe it or not, we actually have some people that are like, you know what? I don't want you in my unit. I'll pay the rent. Leave me alone. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, so we so we'll sit down when we take over. We'll go through. We'll do a part of taking due diligence is a full lease audit. We go through, look at every lease, and as we're doing that, we make a schedule of when they're all going to come up for renewal, and that's how we plan out how many and know how many units we're going to be renovating. You know, outside of evictions and skips and all that kind of stuff. Got it. So the units that you're renovating while people are in it, obviously a little bit more complicated. Yeah, it's not it's not preferred, but we end up doing it to accommodate some people. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that, that's great. I mean, and so at the end of the day, not a home run, but you know, certainly not a terrible first deal. What about the next one? I know you had talked about a 150 unit property. Yeah. So we actually, in November, we bought uh, 151 units in North Florida. And that one, what we've shifted to is buying stabilized value adds. So what I mean is instead of a property like, like the first one where you drive through and the front doors are hanging open and there's just people sitting out doing what they shouldn't be doing. This property was, you know, 90% occupied. It cash flowed, but it was owned by somebody from, you know, Ohio. It was their only multifamily asset. They were self-managing it from Ohio. They were vastly underperforming its potential. And so we go in and we're doing about 6,300 a, a unit upgrade. Uh, we're getting 18 to 25% increases on the rent for every renovated unit. And that is one where we're doing it on a almost completely on a renewal schedule. So it's a much safer way of doing it because you've got cash flow from day one. Whereas that first deal, we were negative day one. We had to get it up. It, we could we could just drop everything and stop what we're doing on the Florida deal, and we have cash flow. So yeah. it, it's a yeah much safer way to do it. Got it. And uh, frankly, more profitable. Cool, really? cool, cool. And so was that was that your second property or was that were there other deals in between? No, that was that was a recent one. I think that was number 10. So do you want me to go to the second one? Sure. Uh, do you want to go to the 10? Yeah, let's Yeah, let's I want to hear it. The first one, you, first one you made a lot of mistakes. I want to hear how you kind of recovered on the second one or you know, improved. Sure. So on the second one, uh, it actually ended up being in the same town from the same broker. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this heavy distress thing anymore. And the, the second deal was uh, maybe six or seven months after the first one. And we bought a, uh, a 94 unit property. And this one was, it was 85% occupied. It was all single story. It was uh, newer, built in the, uh, part of it was built in the 80s versus the, the mid to late 60s. So you had a lot less, you know, the deferred maintenance was much less severe. Right. And the units were small. So we walked into a situation where it was more break even versus losing money. The renovation had a lot less number. The magnitude was less, and then there was a lot less risk to it. There wasn't like you walk into a unit and you're like, "Oh my gosh, the ceiling is on the floor," and you know there's daylight coming in. So that and that that property actually ended up that one has turned into a, a, an absolute home run. So. Really? Well, Do you would you, share yeah, the numbers share on that? Yeah, you sure. We we bought it for one point three. And I think we put about 400 into it. And today it's probably worth 3.1, 3.2. Wow. Ooh. 
Um, yeah, and then we actually did a cash out refinance, and so our investors got eighty percent of their capital back a couple of years ago. So now there's very little invested, but we still own it and have all the equity and the cash flow. Can you explain that a little bit more in detail? Like that entire, I mean, I want to get to financing here in a little bit, yep. but can you kind of explain how to, how did you put together that deal? What do you mean by cash out refi? How'd that all work? Sure. So all of all of my properties are syndicated, and what that means is. It's like um, it's like if you live in a neighborhood and you go to your neighbor, maybe get your cousin together and say, "Hey, you know, let's rent a houseboat and go to Lake Powell. Let's let's share the expense and and share the benefit, right? I mean, most people aren't going to buy themselves go rent a houseboat for ten people and float around Lake Powell. Powell, yep. it's just you know generally not as much fun. Um, so apartment syndication is kind of like the same thing. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to buy a one point three million dollar property, and in this case, we bought it all cash. Most people don't have 1.3 million sitting around to do that. They don't have the experience. They don't have the time to find the deal. So what we do is say, all right, the, the syndication piece is I acquire the property, come up with the business plan, and then go to our investor pool and say, all right, here's the property, here's the here's the business plan, here's the projected returns, and we're we have this much equity, and you can invest, you know, anywhere from fifty thousand up to whatever you want. So instead of one person buying. An apartment complex, a syndication is a pool of people pooling their funds so that we, they can take down a property they otherwise wouldn't be able to get and then share in the benefits. So that's that's the syndication. And that's how we initially funded it was cash syndication. Okay. Okay. And and why why would somebody – I actually had this exact conversation this morning with a friend of mine. Uh, we're talking about kind of what my next moves are in real estate. And, and mm-hmm. I said, I think I probably want to get in bigger syndication. He said, well, why not just instead – so I'll ask the same question to you. Why not just buy a smaller property and own 100%? So instead of buying a 100 unit, why not buy a 20 unit that you can just do with your own cash, 20% down payment, go to a bank? Why go to the bigger deals and not just stay small and scale up? Um, well, I think for some people, it actually might make sense to do that. Um, but for others, it doesn't. Because if you're going to buy your own 20 unit, you better know what you're doing or, or at least partner with somebody who knows what they're doing, right? Also, you know, I live in Southern California and you can buy a, you might be able to buy, I just know, a friend of mine just bought a fourplex for $1.3 million, Ooh. right? I mean, an, an, an amazing four cap. Like, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, and he bought it for other reasons. I'm not not dogging his investment, but so whereas we can go to Texas or Georgia or Florida and get you know returns that are more than double that without speculating on price appreciation. So that that's one reason. Say, okay, you know what? Maybe investing in my backyard in rentals isn't the best. I can get higher returns if I give my money to somebody else who has expertise and invest it over here. Another reason is, is if you are looking to learn the apartment business, a great way to do it is to invest with somebody and then follow their every move, read their every report, request every financial and talk to them. Well, why are you rehabbing this? Well, why, you do, why did you hire that manager? It's a good way to learn it. A lot of investors, that's actually why they invested because they want to do their own big deals they're like, you know what? I'm going to invest with you first and then learn the process and then go on from there. That's hey, so fantastic. It, it is. It is. However, not everybody can do that. I mean, not everybody could go and get in a syndication deal. You have to be an accredited investor, correct? Um, you have to be accredited, if, which means you have a net worth of a million dollars or married income of over 300000 a year. So you have to be accredited if the deal was solicited or advertised. But if it's a private deal, meaning just, you know, I already know you, you know me, 
then you can be what's called a sophisticated investor, which means you don't have to meet those income requirements. It's it's kind of a it's a little bit gray. It's a it's a it's a you, know, you get you make the decision yourself. And basically, what you're saying is, is, as an investor, I am sophisticated enough to evaluate whether or not this deal is a good fit for me. And and just as a heads up, I mean, the, all this stuff is is exceptionally highly regulated, correct? Absolutely. So if you're listening and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go and create a syndication deal with my buddies and you know, I'm gonna go ask people for some cash, you better not do that until you talk to a securities lawyer. Absolutely. You don't want the SEC takes it very seriously and uh, you know, Bernie Madoff is looking for a roommate and they will they, <laughs> they will make you that guy real fast if you do it wrong. Wow. There you go. There you go. So yeah, this is this is something that definitely requires a, a higher level of sophistication for sure. And as as I had said, you know, you definitively need uh, legal counsel when you're getting involved in in this kind of thing. I, frankly, we recommend it on any kind of deal, but particularly on these kinds of things, uh, you absolutely want to uh, cover your your backside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we have a very good attorney that I'd be happy happy to recommend to anyone. And you know, again, and, and I wouldn't definitely don't let that scary piece of it. Sure. You know, hold you back because it's not about figuring it all out yourself. It's just hiring a good attorney that knows it and they cover your back. Yeah. yeah. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. 
And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. So so you talked, I mean, I want to go a little bit more into the financing because you mentioned that you did a cash out refi and got your investors most of their money back, right? Is that How did that work? Sure. Yeah, we bought the uh, we bought the property all cash, and then we stabilized it. So that means we renovated the units, we got the occupancy into the nineties, we got it. So you know, every month it collected a good amount of income, and then we went to a local bank and said, "Hey, can we get debt on this? We bought it all cash." And so they, what they do is they look at the financials, they look at our personal balance sheets, and say, "Okay, sure, we'll give you a loan for I think we got, uh, I think we got one point six million dollar loan on that property." And so what the, so they give us the loan on they secure it against the property like any other you know real estate loan and then give us the cash and then what we did is we gave 80% of the original capital back to the investor. So someone who invested $100,000, they got a check for $80,000 of their original capital back. So now they can go, you know, go on a cruise or invest it somewhere else or whatever, but they still have the same ownership. So it's 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 kind of I mean it's it's, it's similar to, to buying a yeah yeah to the burr <laughs> method right burr, yeah yeah so you, you buy a house you fix it up you you refinance it probably take some cash out and then hold it that's exactly yep. what we did yeah yeah I love that because yeah I talk about the burr strategy all the time for those people who don't know I, it's the acronym for buy uh, rehab rent it out refinance it and repeat where you buy a property fix it up just like you said and so I love that you're doing this with an apartment comp, like a large apartment complex. It's Burr on steroids, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Scaled up big time. Very awesome. cool. So what about you personally? As the, I mean, you were the, like the lead, is that what it's called, like lead syndicator or whatever? Like you were in charge of this deal or you and your partner? Or how did that work? Yeah, I'm, I'm the manager. So okay. I actually, I do have a, a couple, uh, two, two different sets of principles I work with. Okay. And in both cases, I am primarily operations, meaning I'm finding the deal, I am, you know, getting it under contract. I'm coming up with the renovation plan. I manage the, you know, manage the managers. You know, everything that's involved in operations. So that is that is my primary role. Okay, and and while we're on that subject, we mentioned you find the deals. How are you finding these deals? I know apartments are tough to find these days. Yes. Um, you know, most of the stuff we buy now, I think the last five or six have all been 
off market or post market. And when I say post market, I mean someone else got it for a higher price and they they failed to close. So now it eventually comes down to us at our lower price, which can uh. work out really really well. So it's all through on on these bigger deals. It's all through broker relationships. And I actually tried for a while, you know, unsolicited getting you know getting into contact with the owners, but. What I realized is is that can be great for mom and pop stuff, 4, 10, 20 units. But these commercial brokers spend their lives trying to build relationships with owners of the apartment complexes. And so I'm like, why am I trying to duplicate that? And re- the more effective way is to form a good relationship with that broker so that I can leverage all of his relationships. Yeah. And so now what I'll do is you know, they'll call me and say, hey – yeah, I, I talked to this owner, you know, he might sell, put in an offer, let's see what happens. Or I'm going to list this in three weeks, but uh, you know what, it's a good fit for you. Let's see if maybe they'll accept an offer early. Or also what I've done is I will pick a neighborhood and say, I like these five properties. Then I will email my, my broker contacts and say, do you have a relationship with the owner of this property? And 80% of the time I say, yeah, I know that guy. I've been talking to him for five years. Then, I, then the follow-up question is, would he entertain an offer? No, they wouldn't. They just refinanced. Or yeah, you know what? They probably would. And that's how we find the deals. I love it. Right on. Right on. All right. So two things. You talked about being the lead guy. Uh, so you're the guy who kind of puts everything together. Is there a financial incentive to be the lead guy in a syndication deal? Yes, absolutely. So how I put food on my table is there's a there's an acquisition fee, meaning when the deal closes, uh, I get paid a fee. And, and the, the size of the fee depends on the, the size of the deal. And, and in my case, I split that with, with partners as well. And then there's also what's called the, the syndicator or the sponsor carve-out. So our deals have a preferred return, which means before the sponsors can take any profit, we have to meet a certain level of profit distributed to our investors. That's, what a, you know, that, that's the preferred return. But once we meet that, we have a carve-out. And it's generally, it's generally 25%. Again, it kind of varies by the deal, but the industry standard is 25%. So what that means is, you know, all other considerations aside, forget, forget about the pref for a moment. If we send out, if we have $100 in profit to distribute, as sponsors, we get to have, we get $25. Got it. And so that, you know, that is my passive or horizontal income. It's not truly passive because I am, you know, managing the business, but I mean, I don't have to go out and find another deal to get that check. Yeah. Got it. Uh, yeah. So that, cool. that's how I earn an income. And, right well, I was going to ask, how, how much time do you actually spend? You say it's not passive because again, not a lot of real estate is fully passive, you know? So how much time do you actually spend once you have the deal acquired and it's fixed up and maybe you've even re- refinanced it? How much time does it actually take you now to manage these individual deals and manage the manager? The ones that are fully stabilized and mature that I've that I've been running for three, four, or five years, those ones are maybe an hour a week. I mean, you know, okay. once you get to that point, it's pretty steady state. And the ones that we recently acquired, the first three to six months can be very time intensive, especially if there's a significant rehab. Because I'm flying out there more frequently, where we've got you know, budget reports more frequently. I mean, just everything is magnified in the beginning. But once it gets to the point where you've renovated all the units. You know, you've bumped the rents 25% and, you know, you're just tweaking little things and you've got really good people in place. That's where the, the time commitment really drops off. And that's where I really experienced the reward for doing it. Nice. Right on. Right on. Nice. I have a question that might be a stupid one, but why would a broker offer you a deal before it goes on the market? Why not let it go on the market and let people compete against it? I mean, I, I think that's 
a question that a lot of people are probably thinking here, like, oh, well, why would they do that? They can let people fight over it and push up the price. That that's a very valid question, and a lot of brokers won't do off market deals for that very for that very reason. But I'll, I'll give you an example of one that we bought uh, last year. This was outside of Atlanta. The seller again, it was his only multifamily asset, a smaller one, seventy six units, built in the late nineties, a beautiful little property. But the 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 purchase price was going to be under four million, right? And the broker typically deals with properties that are ten, twenty, and thirty million. So it's going to take the same amount of marketing, the same amount of tours. He's got to go down there and tour the property 50 times. So if he can get this property transacted with a known closer off market and not have to spend all of his time and save that time for his 20 and $30 million deals, as long as he can make the seller happy and then I'm getting a deal that works for us, everybody wins. Makes a lot of sense. Would I, would I assume also that he would get both sides of the commission? I mean, he'd get the full commission instead of having to split that with another broker? Just like residential, yeah. yeah there's no well, there, there's. I mean, there's typically. I mean, you know, we're just getting into the selling process. We've only sold two, but my understanding is, and then experience on those few deals is the the broker. Unless it's a co-op situation where someone brings in another broker, typically they're not splitting it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it is different from residential in that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Um, well, last question I have before we kind of maybe move on. I'm, I'm curious about something totally different than this whole thing, and and that is goal setting. The reason I bring that up is because I know that you are a go abundance guy. Yep. Uh, just like you know, last week uh, Hal Elra. I mean, like a few weeks ago we had Hal on. Before that we had Matt on. We've had a lot of go abundance. Guys. One of your partners. Uh, yeah. Anyway, all these go abundance yeah, guys. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and uh, I'm curious, like goal setting. You know, that's a big thing in GoBundance. I know is goal setting. So, yeah. how has that affected your life? You know, I, again, you, David Green, Hal Elrod, all you guys. How does that affect your life in goal setting? Uh, it's been huge. I mean, I'm, I'm actually one of the founding members of GoBundance, so I've been in it for uh, I guess I four, yeah, four something years now. My my net worth has more than doubled since I joined, and it, it's part of just surrounding yourself with people who have um, similar mentalities and goals, and that are going to help push you forward and hold you accountable. So before I joined, I had some vague goals, and that was like, well, I want to be financially free by you know 2017, whatever that means, and you know I want to have a nice house or whatever. And But it wasn't really concrete. And one of the things I learned through being part of that mastermind is how to really define your goals. And, and so you know, what you do is you, you kind of you start where, you know, a good question asks, well, where do I want to be in five years? You know, do I want to have this much income? What are the sources? Where do I want to live? And then work backwards and break that down. To, okay, what do I have to do this year to get there? What do I have to do this quarter to get there? What about this month? What about this week? What action am I going to take today? That is most going to get me towards my goals. Yeah, I love um, that. So that's and yeah. beat on the microphone for <laughs> extra emphasis. Well, so yeah, I read that concept in the uh, you know the, the book, the one thing you've probably read that they talk about this goal setting to the now. Yeah, this idea of just breaking down your long term goals and anyway, I, goal setting. Like I, I never really set goals before two years ago. Probably never had really any hard and fast goal other than I wanted a million dollars or whatever, you know, like some vague goal, kind of like, eh, I want yeah. a million bucks someday. It's very but, religious of you, Brandon. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, you know, so like, how do I, how, I want to be a preacher with a million dollars. <laughs> I want to be a, a billionaire. So I can take all exactly. the stuff. Have you seen those videos? They're 
pretty funny. Anyway, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, I mean, so like goal setting totally changed my life. I mean, yeah, my my net worth's doubled or I don't know, whatever, probably more than that. It's just in the last few years because of goal setting entirely because of that. Uh, yep. So anyway, I'm just glad that um, I don't know you could talk on that. So cool. All right. Anything uh, anything else before we move on to the fire? Anything else you want to cover that we didn't cover yet today? I know we don't always ask people that, but. Did you, anything you would wanted to say? Yeah, you know that that's actually good. You know, getting to the um, you know, I, I I've met a lot of people because I get a lot of requests for, oh, will you mentor me and will you coach me? And I don't do anything formal, but I just try to, you know, I've been giving a lot of, I've been given a lot of hand ups, so I like to try to do the same. And what I mean is, and you know, it's not like, oh, here's a handout, here's a hundred bucks. It's okay, well, I'll teach you how to do this, right? So a lot of people I talk to is like, well, I don't really know how to write a plan for five years, or you know, how do I set these goals? And so one thing there's um and it's it's somewhat of a plug but I believe in it. One of my mentors Tim Rhodes started a nonprofit called One Life Fully Lived and their mission is to help people dream, plan and then live out their lives. So if you're having trouble, you know, kind of figuring out well what is my why? What is my plan? That is one source to go to, and you can. They have they have a program where, and again, it's, it's a nonprofit. They're not out to. It doesn't sell you stuff. It's not expensive programs, and it walks you through and teaches you how to make that. You know, what are your dreams? Make that plan for your life, and then and then back that down into okay. Now here's my goals, and and that and like, like you know, Brandon, like you said, that's been transformative for me. To instead of just having a couple of vague goals, I've got goals broken down to all these different categories and I check on them daily and it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Likewise. I love it. Well, very cool. Well, wait, done. yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we shift gears here and head over to the fire round? It's time for the fire round. All right. The world famous fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger pockets forums, and we're going to fire match you right now. Number one, what do you suggest is the first move to make when you want to become a full time house flipper? First move to make when you want to become a full time house flipper start your education. And I, what I mean by doing that is get on bigger pockets, get in the forums, go to local meetings, read as many books as you can, and save up a living reserve. And what I mean is, is if you're going to quit your job and flip, make sure you've got six months or more of money set aside so that you're not going to be spending all your energy stressed out. On, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay the bills? You can just focus on your flipping business. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. I think okay. that's, that's solid. Yeah. That was good. It, I would have let you continue, Brandon. I know I want to cut you <laughs> off, but it's, it's okay. You know, I'm it's holding true to the fire round, you know? It's all it does. It's all it does. Yeah, great. Okay, so, uh, yeah, Andrew, uh, I got you, and I'll let you talk all you want, man. So, um, you know. I appreciate let's, that. Let's, yeah, no problem, man. No problem. We've got a bond here. Um, would you recommend somebody uh, invest in apartments as their first deal? So, should somebody uh, do a large multifamily or mid-sized multifamily as their first deal in real estate? I would say it depends on what your goal is. If if you're looking for a, a quick chunk of cash, then no, go go do a flip or something like that. If you're looking for a solid, you know, a stable asset backed investment that'll send you checks or or passive income that you don't have to do the well, yeah, you have the choice of either doing the work for if you buy your own or if not doing the work if you invest with someone else, then I would say yes. So again, it gets back to kind of knowing your why and, and your goals. That was great. And, and thank you uh, for 
telling the full answer to us. <laughs> Hope, well, I didn't get cut off that time. You know? Yeah, <laughs> an opportunity to uh, in, in this next question. All right, I will make sure you have plenty of time to talk on this one. This is a, this is a softball one that I do. <laughs> do you think having a mentor is a good idea for new investors? Oh, forget that. All right, next question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for mentors. You know, you you hear in the corporate world that companies have R and D departments, right? Well. I am not really a creative guy. I'm an engineer. I'm not the guy who's going to come up with an invention, start this multi-million dollar business. What I am good at is R&D, and that stands for rip off and duplicate, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 what, and I don't mean that in the, in the malicious sense. What I mean is, is find somebody who's already successful at what you're doing, learn it, and go duplicate it in your life or in your market. And so, and actually, that's that's a kind of a finer point. Most of my mentors were out of my immediate market, so we didn't have that kind of awkward. Um, well, I'm going to take your idea, and now I'm competing with you. So, yeah, very cool, fantastic. I didn't cut you All out right. there, did I? What? I just cut Josh off, but you know. what, can I? <laughs> no, no, I I, 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 I feel I, good. Now. I'm okay, okay good. I'll forgive you. All right, we're buddies now. Don't okay, do good. it again. No. All right. <laughs> Can I have my stapler? <laughs> I was just watching that like at lunchtime today. And I was yeah, sitting there watching Office Space. That was one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, I can yeah. watch that over and over again. Oh, I've not man. seen it in a few years, but I'm sitting there at lunch watching this. And I'm like, this is like the best movie ever oh, made. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, yeah. like, I just like dying laughing. And I knew every <laughs> single line, even though it's been forever. But anyway, Office yeah, Space, check it out. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Last question of the fire round. When hiring staff, what do you look at most to make sure they are reputable? Uh, that, you know, um, would you talking uh, more on just like the individual level? Or kind of- I, I'd say like when you're hiring your team or if you have like employees, sure. uh, on ATO, how, how do you, how do you vet them? Okay. On the individual level, I'm really looking for people who have motivation and drive because you can't really train that. You can teach people all these skills, but I want to make sure they have motivation, drive, and ethics. And so if I sense that when I'm talking to them, as far as vetting them, you know, of course, you talk to previous employers, friends, you get on Facebook, that kind of thing. As far as handling or hiring like a contractor or a property management company, which, I mean, those are key, key roles in my world. uh, I start with referrals. That's how we build the list. And then my wife is really good at research, so she gets online and hunts for every bit of dirt we can find on them. Uh, I mean, it's getting really tough to hide anything these days, yeah, which is, is good, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, so we, and so usually that cuts the list in half or by two-thirds. I mean, because you just find stuff that, like, right, this isn't someone I want to work with. And then um, I interview them, uh, usually a couple different times. And, you know, that gets to a certain point at which – you know, you, you've done your research, you've done your analysis, your, your gut instinct is good, and, and you have to hire them. And if you make a mistake, which I have, then you have to fire them quickly. You know, hire, you don't, if you make a mistake, just deal with yep. it. Um, but uh, if you, you know, follow, again, nothing's guaranteed, but that process has, has served us really well. We've, our current success really is a result of having awesome team members around the country that, when you know a deal comes up, I can call them and they can help us move on it instantly and give me better information that I probably would be able to get on my own. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I, I get you know on on the hiring front, it's it's interesting. You know, when you start vetting people and creating like a standard, it's amazing how hard it is to find people yeah. at a high standard. <laughs> I mean, like you know, we we do some really really basic stuff for vetting folks on on our hiring process and. I'd say 
85% of people who apply for any of the open positions we have at Bigger Pockets, which by the way, if you're looking for a job, we are always hiring. Biggerpockets.com slash jobs. But yeah, I mean, simple things like little line of instruction in the job description, which just shows that you've actually read it appropriately and, you know, are paying attention to detail. You know, hey, when you apply, make sure the title says this or, or send your resume in PDF format. And you can't ignore it when they get that wrong because that's, yeah. you know, that's a little detail that they're, you know, if they screw that up on the most important thing in their life, which is trying to find a job, <laughs> what are they going to do when they actually have the job? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, you know, if you're looking for jobs, folks, pay attention to detail. <laughs> Not a big deal. We just, just do it. we just hired a uh, you know like a couple months ago hired a uh, full time maintenance well part time maintenance guy for our company like actual W two employee and everything and uh, when I put out the thing on Craigslist and on our local like job board for our area I wrote on there do not email or do not email do not call fax me your resume and we out of like normally I would put out a job application or job offer and I'd get hundreds if not thousands of you know people looking for jobs I got two uh, from both qualified people and one of them worked out great. Oh, that's, that's probably because awesome. only two people still have a fax machine. Well, now, well, so. <laughs> well it's <laughs> funny if he fine. didn't. It's funny he didn't have one. He's like, oh, he's right, like, okay. he's like, it was so weird that you told me a fax. So I printed it out at home. I went up to Staples. I paid twenty five cents, and they faxed it to you. And I'm like, See, that I is what I wanted. The there you yeah, go. He found job. a way to get it done. Yep. Yeah. Good. And he's been the best hire. I mean, he's been awesome. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, cool. All right. Well, hey, uh, Andrew. Knock knock. Who's there? Famous four. <laughs> Famous four. Sorry, I couldn't resist. All right. Uh, yeah, surprise. All right, these questions come uh, every single week. So I know people have heard them over and over, but we don't know your answer yet. So, uh, number one, what is your that favorite real estate book? That, <laughs> that was pretty bad. Um, number one, what is your favorite real estate related yeah. book? You know, I almost feel like this this question should be set up like they do uh, Wheel of Fortune now, right? You know, everyone used to always pick R, S, T, and L. Yep. So yeah. you, you know maybe you should Can't do that like <laughs> besides yeah, rich dad poor dad what's yeah besides rich dad and, poor dad and, and, and the one thing and you know all the yep. e myth and all those um you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the apartment world and I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit I'm gonna pick a pair of books because they go together okay it's uh, emerging markets and multifamily millions by by Dave Lindahl they're not hardcore techie books. But they're, the information is legitimate, and it's, it's a really good read, especially if you're looking at getting into apartments and learning some of the bigger concepts. I think they're actually well-written books, and, and there's good information in there. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Cool. What about business books? One of my favorite business books is a book by a guy named Jim Camp. It's called Start With No, and it's a negotiation book. And it's kind of, it's very contrarian as opposed to start with yes and win-win or, or get to yes. It's start with no. Um, I found it to be absolutely instrumental in getting deals closed, especially in challenging tough negotiations like trying to, you know, buy a house for 60 cents on the dollar, especially from someone who's in pre-foreclosure and is stressed out. And it, it's very much about, you know, for example, if you remember the old TV show Columbo, um, which, which I saw a few times at my grandfather's house, but you know, he was just very kind of laid back and you know, people just underestimated him and he wasn't always trying to close. He'd be like, Oh, wait, wait, wait. And he'd answer that last important question. It, it kind of, it, it's, it's along those lines. It's very counterintuitive. And when you first read it, you kind of react like, what? That's crazy. But man, does it work? Cool. Nice. I'll check it awesome, out. Awesome. Awesome. All right. What do you do for fun outside of real estate? And, uh, you know, 
pouring chemicals together. <laughs> well, I've got a wife and two kids, and um, I've got two little boys, and I'm teaching them how to pour chemicals together. Nice. And then uh, I, uh, one of the reasons I live in Southern California is I love to surf, so I do a fair amount of that. And then uh, I'm into backcountry skiing. Oh, which, nice. Yeah, which means uh, we don't. I don't don't ride lifts. Uh, yeah, you know, when you when you ride the lift to the top of Mammoth Mountain or Copper Mountain or Vale, and you look out and you see all those gorgeous mountains out in the distance, you're like, man, what would it be like to ski those? I got tired of answer asking that question, so I said, I'm going to do it. And so now that's that's what I do when I go skiing. Is we, we yeah. find a way, yeah, we find a way to get out, climb those mountains, and ski them. Andrew, when you come out to Colorado to backcountry ski, I've never done it before, but I'd like to offer myself up to go backcountry skiing. I've been dying to go. Scared, but but dying to go. Absolutely. And I've actually done that at our GoBundance winter retreat. That's become a tradition now is uh, myself and Tim take out a group of people who've never done it and teach them how to do it. That's awesome. 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 All right, cool. Well, my final question of the day. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Uh, getting a small million-dollar loan from your father. So, Perfect. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I guess that helps Trump. But um, no, it's that uh, the, the relentless persistence. You know, having your why, having a belief in yourself, having a belief in the system that you are working, and and, and that's that's key. I mean, you know, I one of the you hear all the time, and I don't know if it's true or not. But one of the definitions of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? So if you're doing something that's not working, you do need to ask the question: Why is it not working? Is the system flawed or whatever? But if you if you're working on a system that you vetted, that you have a mentor that is successful at it, so you know that system works. It's the relentless persistence. It's making phone call number 4,576, right? Or maybe 77 or whatever it takes. That's to- crazy, by the way. Let me, <laughs> let, me just, let me just say that again. But wait, it was worth it, you. right? Oh, I mean, I haven't, yeah. I haven't had a boss in nine years now. So it's awesome. Crazy like a fox. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, man. Nicely done. And great answer. Great answer. All right. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, of course, I'm on Bigger Pockets, and and I'm trying to get more uh, more active on it. So if I've got people uh, hitting me up on Bigger Pockets, that'll help achieve that goal. Uh, my website is it's Vantage Point Acquisitions, which is v p a c q dot com. Uh, it's not a fancy website; it's just kind of a, a placeholder for people who look us up and want to see what we're doing. But uh, I can be reached through there. Um, of course, I'm on LinkedIn. And I would say uh, I get I do get a fair amount of contact. So if if someone wants to contact me, I'm happy to do that. But please put in the subject line that you know you, how you got in touch or heard me. You know, oh, I heard you on Bigger Pockets or something like that. That way, I can make sure I respond. Because cool. uh, some yeah, that's great, 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 great. Well, listen, man, it's it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll look forward to seeing you around the site. And of course, for everybody listening, you could ask Andrew any questions you have at BiggerPockets.com/slash/show170 the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it, and I look forward to taking you skiing. Yeehaw! I will see you around. All right, take care. All right, big thanks to Andrew Cushman for coming on the show. Wow, that was was pretty awesome. He's my hero. You're my (laughs) hero, Brandon. You're my hero, Josh. Oh, Oh, hug it out. Yeah. 
Right, well, we just but we don't. We hug. don't. Yeah, that was that was kind of creepy. That was a little, little. Usually, we're like you know at each other's throats for us to hug. Well, speak kind speak, of unnatural. Speaking of creepy, so you know we we use Slack here in the Bigger Pockets office to communicate. It's a program we can communicate. I also have it hooked up with my real estate investment company, so my wife is on there along with my assistant. And anyway, my wife sends me a message, and here's what it says: just like. 10 minutes ago. FYI, there's a creepy white van with tinted windows and someone sitting inside the driver's seat outside of our house. They're either casing the neighborhood or just staring at us. They've been there about a half hour. So anyway, I'm going to go check that out. Good luck. Hey, it's been nice talking to you, Brandon. Thanks. Great show. We'll see you next week. Get out there and bust out the shotgun. At least it doesn't say like free candy on the side or something. That'd be a little more creepy. But there's something creepy going on. I'm going to go find out what it is. All right. Hey, great show. Until next week, guys, thanks for listening. I'm Josh Dorkin. Check out the site, check out the forums, jump in, connect with Andrew on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 170. Set up a profile, start networking with folks like him. You know, we've got investors who are just getting started up to guys who've done 1,400 units and 24 flips like uh, Andrew has on the site networking, trying to do business together. So if you're not there, you're missing out on the biggest business opportunity, the biggest networking opportunity out there for real estate investors And oh yeah, it's free. So join up and be a part of our community. Got anything you want to add? No, but if I die out there with the man in the van, I'm blaming you. Why don't you go out there with a periscope and you can record the whole interaction? (laughs) That's a great idea. All right, I'll be watching. Guys, (laughs) thank you for listening. Till next time, I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. Simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.